Welcome to Compliance Beat, the podcast for compliance and ethics professionals. We provide practical insights and answer your questions about compliance and ethics. Together, we'll stay up to date on current trends so that your program stays effective. Brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Here's your host, Eric Moorhead. Three things to know about third-party risks. That's going to be our topic for this edition of the podcast. But first, a couple of program notes. While you're listening to this, when this comes out, the SCCE's annual Compliance and Ethics Institute should be winding down in Las Vegas. When I get back, I'll probably put up a podcast with some lessons learned, if you will, from from that event. So for those of you who participated, I hope that you enjoyed it. And for those that missed out, I'll give an update here in the coming weeks. Secondly, we are going to have another webinar, another free webinar for those that are interested. It will be on November the 15th. The topic is going to be risky business. What does an effective ethics and compliance program look like in 2017? We all know we've heard many times about uh, taking a risk-based approach to both putting together and evaluating our compliance program. So I thought it was uh, time for us to spend a little bit more time talking about the specifics and the practicalities of having a risk-based approach. So that will be on November the 15th at noon central, 1 Eastern. If you're interested, there will be a link here in the show notes for signing up for that event, or if you, you can go to our website at compliancebeat.com or moreheadconsulting.com and sign up for the November 15th webinar. So today I wanted to talk a little bit about third-party risk. I can't get risk off my mind today, so I thought we'd spend a little bit of time and I, I would talk about just three discrete things that we should know about third-party risks. The first one is one that I've oft repeated in different contexts, which is third-party risk isn't just about FCPA or anti-corruption. It is, to a great extent, depending on your risk, uh, a very important concept and certainly don't want to diminish that. It's important to note, for example, that over the last few years, nearly 85 to 90% of all FCP-related enforcement actions develop out of third-party conduct. It's no joke to say that that's where the risk is when you're talking about anti-corruption. So I don't mean to diminish that, but I just want to have everybody consider their third-party risk a little bit more broadly than just in the FCPA context. And most importantly, probably, and this is really the point, is if you are an organization, let's take, for example, a health insurer that operates completely within the United States or within one state of the United States, it would be pretty easy for you to look at your risks in a broad sense and say, well, we don't have any anti-corruption risk, for example. So that may or may not be true depending on where your vendors are located and what's going on with your vendors overseas. For instance, data processing vendors, you might have multiple risks, not just FCPA, but data privacy and data security risks that are prompted by third-party action. You know, there there are plenty of of examples where you can consider somebody who may initially think that they don't have any third-party risk or don't have any specific third party risk, whether that be FCPA or something else. But if you hone in a little bit more on who you're doing business with, you may find that that's the case. You know, third party risk 
is a, a problem that only is proliferating as we move into a, a newer and more outsourced, if you will, economy. More and more often, even small organizations like my organization, I have third parties that I deal with that offer online services, database services, you know, data storage services. It's hard to imagine even a very small business not having some third party risk out there. And you need to ask those questions and, and at least get a handle on where your third party risk might be. So the point of this first point, if you will, is that I think to a great extent when you could be forgiven if you go to events or listen to webcasts or or otherwise kind of dip your toe into third-party risk discussions to have it completely dominated by anti-corruption or FCPA. And for those of you who feel you don't have that as a risk, you can turn your turn sort of turn your ears off and say, well, I have other things I need to be concerned about, other compliance issues. This third-party stuff just doesn't apply to me because we're not operating overseas. Well, that's not the case. If you're dealing with any third party, there's the potential for exposure. There's the potential for exposure, particularly around data. There's the potential for exposure if you are in, for instance, construction or some other related industry, and there might be third parties that could violate environmental regulations or laws on your behalf. Take some time to really think about where your business connects to subcontractors, distributors, and any third parties, agents of any kind, and and determine where those risks are and where the compliance risk might lie. I think it's a worthwhile exercise, if nothing else. The second thing to keep in mind about third parties is they are the perfect storm. This sort of plays on the first piece of at least recognizing that you have third party risk. They're the perfect storm for risk because they are integral to doing business in 2017. Again, using my compliance organization, which is small, as an example, I have probably a dozen third parties that I do business with on a regular basis that supply services or goods to me. And I'm really small. So when you're talking about an organization of size where you have, you know, a couple, maybe 10 to 15,000 employees and you're doing a billion, a billion and a half in, in revenue a year, it's pretty easy to have hundreds, if not thousands of third parties that you're dealing with on a regular basis. I think we have to kind of recognize that and recognize the nexus between necessity and, and this is the other thing, they're logistically hard to monitor. You have to rely, and, and traditionally we've re- relied a lot on the representations of third parties. Now, here's where it gets tricky. You can't realistically do a thorough due diligence on everybody, but you have to have gone through the risk assessment process and determined how and where you need to do those thorough reviews and ongoing monitoring depending on the circumstances of that third party. We'll talk more about that in a second. The thing to keep in mind is that you are going to be held responsible for the actions of these third parties if they violate certain laws and regulations and rules. It's important to know that many regulations and rules in particular that require compliance and their strict liability. For example, you know, going back to the FCPA, the accounting provisions have strict liability enforcement. So if you or somebody on your behalf violates those provisions, it's, it's a violation of the law. And it's, it's, does it doesn't matter whether you had intent 
And beyond that, there are so many regulatory provisions out there where this is the case. It is very easy to be caught up in this perfect storm where you have liability, the organizations, the third parties you're working with, the individuals that you're working with are necessary to completing the mission or the project. And they're sometimes very difficult to monitor. So that leads us to the third thing to know about third parties that I did want to talk about today. And that is that they can be managed. There is a way to realistically and reasonably manage the risk that's involved that we all have. And I think that's, again, the first point is recognizing you have it, recognizing that there is a nexus there where there is risk. And then third, managing it. So let's talk a little bit about managing. First and foremost, uh, as is often the case when we talk about attacking compliance problems and and taking the risk-based approach, is having a plan. So whatever you decide to do and however you decide to organize it, you need to have a consistent process and plan in place for managing the risk of third parties. A big piece of managing third-party risk, whether you're talking about a big-ticket item that many organizations are already familiar with, like FCPA and anti-corruption, or whether you're talking about risks of any kind, whether that be environmental, reputational, data security, whatever it is, due diligence is is a big piece of that puzzle. It's the entree uh, that the uh, third party has into your system. There are really kind of three guiding principles that you should keep in mind when you're putting together a due diligence process. The first is really getting the most data and information you can about the background, the qualifications, the history, the reputation, the connections that the third parties that you're intending to do business with have. That includes, for instance, both in the anti-corruption and sanctions realm, for example, is is finding out who they are and what their connections are. That's something that, again, is pretty well developed in those areas, but I think is a valuable first step no matter what the third party is, is understanding who they are to the best of your ability, where they came from, what their history is, what their connections are. The second is, and this is the really important one, particularly for those of us in compliance or in the legal department, is understanding the business rationale. This is one that's often overlooked, I feel, not only in the kind of well-known context of, of corruption, but just in any third party context. Why are we doing business with this third party. Understanding the necessity is important. The business rationale for, for, the, for the relationship. Because oftentimes you can head off a serious issue at the pass if the, the business operations person or whomever is sponsoring this relationship can't give you a reasonable rationale. This happens all the time. For those of us who have worked through internal investigations in the past, whether that be, again, in the anti-corruption context or any context that involved a, a serious issue or a fraud, you often find that this is the part of the discussion of the due diligence that was murky or what, where there was pushback and, and the internal compliance or legal department didn't take the stand that they probably should have. I think oftentimes, let's just be honest, amongst us uh, lawyers and, and compliance people, but certainly lawyers are, are this way, we don't want to sometimes admit that we don't fully understand what the operations, the business operations of the organization are and, and what the goals are and, and some of the technical details. We are often looked to as, as uh, experts and there's a little bit of pride there that sometimes gets in the way of saying, well, wait a second, let's slow this down. Let's take this down to a very basic level. Explain to me what you're trying to do. 
This is very important, and I, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but I think that I've seen it, the seen the failure here. This is the failure point so many times that I, I really want to make sure you've thought about it as you're going through developing your process for due diligence and management of third parties is to make sure you know when you're reviewing the 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 relationship, the arrangement that that you know and you understand why the relationships exist in the first place. It seems simple, but it's often overlooked. And then the third piece is that there should be some sort of understanding during the due diligence process that this is an ongoing process, that this isn't just getting past the finish line and we're all done, that both parties, the 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 third party and the business sponsors internally, everybody understands that this is an ongoing relationship with regard, with regard to monitoring, with regard to things like audits, with regard to providing updates on a regular basis. So this is the beginning of the relationship, not the end. And that's another thing that I think sometimes is uh, due diligence is seen as, you know, a beauty contest, if you will. And once you win, then that's it, you know, and we go on and we do business and everybody's happy. No, due diligence is opening the file that never gets closed. And that's uh, another, uh, the third thing that I think needs to be established up front that often is not. That you, as the person or persons responsible for the due diligence process, make sure that they understand that this is an ongoing process, that you're going to come back to them to update on a regular basis and find out what they're doing, find out what's involved, you know, monitor payments, monitor performance of contract provisions, and perhaps uh, undergo uh, audits depending on where they fall in your risk matrix, if you will. So let me talk about that a little bit too. The initial due diligence process examining the third party and then the ongoing piece, this third piece, are going to vary. Because again, if you've got thousands of third parties, you can't undertake the same review at both at the beginning and throughout the relationship that you can, you can't do that with all of them. It's, it's resource prohibitive. Nobody is, nobody expects that. If you take a risk based approach, as we're admonished to do, you certainly aren't going to do that because that's not, that's not efficient. So what has to happen in this process is there's got to be some sort of tiering or, or management of uh, organization, rather, of the various third parties in different tiers, different groups, and each of those groups having a varied level of review, both at due diligence at the beginning and throughout the relationship. At some point in the future, I probably will put together a podcast or maybe even a webinar where I talk about tiering in more detail. But just to give you some broad pieces of the puzzle, what you're going to look for are different factors to figure out which category these third parties are going to fall into. Some common ones are where are they operating in the world? Certain parts of the world, as we all know, particularly in the anti-corruption context, connote more danger for corruption and other issues. What type of business, what type of service are they providing? Some services are going to, and businesses, some products are going to probably engender more risk than others. What's the volume? What's the the dollar value of the business that's ongoing? I think that that is a a clear factor that you're going to consider. If it's a, a significant 
uh, amount of money, then that is going to be a issue that is going to push that third party probably into a higher tier for review and monitoring. What's the criticality of the product or service that they are providing? How central is this product or service to the operation of the business? And this goes back to what I was talking about before, the, the second factor in due diligence, which is understanding what the business relationship is, what the necessity of this service or product is. So you have to, to be able to properly gauge the risk and how you should monitor this third party. You have to understand what they're providing and how critical it is to the business at hand. Any relationship that that third party has to government officials, potentially to either countries, states, individuals that might be on restricted lists, all of those kind of traditional sanctions and anti-corruption sort of filters that you will put a third party through based on their relationship and their history. The other thing we talked about up front is understanding as much as you can about their relationships and their history is if a third party has a rap sheet, so to speak. Are there, are there issues in the organization's history or in the principal's history of that organization? Are those things that you can overcome, that you need to overcome or you want to overcome? Well, you at least need to have a serious discussion about that. And if even if you've determined that you need to move forward with this third party, that you feel like they've reformed, if there is a history there, then that is going to be an issue that's going to push them into the higher monitoring So a common thing to do is to take all of those considerations and possibly others that you come up with based on your organization, the business that you're in, and assign sort of a, you know, assign a value to that and and score them and then break them up into different tiers. A common way, you know, oftentimes when I'm giving examples of this, I say, you know, have three tiers and, and, you know, the, the most serious tier is a more frequent review, a more serious review that's going to include audits and may include site visits and, and other hands-on pieces of, of review and maybe a, a middle tier that has uh, potentially has that on, on occasion but doesn't and then a, a top tier where you're rep- relying for the most part on self-reporting and, and information that's being provided by those third parties because you've deemed their risk very low. Like the example that's often given is an organization that is supplying you uh, paper and pencils and other office supplies here in the United States is going to be a low tier third party risk versus an agent in, in a foreign location that is known for or is on the Transparency International list for being having issues with corruption. So those are kind of the you know the broad examples of, of different on, on the different ends of the spectrum. So those those are some 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 ways to approach risk. I think again, it's an area where you where we could spend a lot of time talking about any one of these issues, and I probably will at some point put out a podcast just talking about risk ranking and tiering and and how to manage uh, the due diligence and ongoing monitoring of third-party organizations. Because I think this is valuable. For those of you out there that have anti-corruption risks, this is old hat to you. But there are a lot of, going back to my first point, there are a lot of organizations out there, a lot of compliance programs out there, that if they haven't been touched by FCPA or anti-corruption risk concerns, are not as developed about how they approach their third parties and third-party risk and don't have a process or program in place, aren't tiering the risk of their various third parties and don't have a a plan in place for due diligence and monitoring. And it's worth considering. Again, even if you're completely domestic, even if you are not in a highly regulated space, 
everybody has exposure to, for example, data security risks. I mean, that's just part of being in business in the modern world. There are third parties out there that you're dealing with uh, that are providing you services and goods. Uh, And some of them are large organizations, large companies. And so that's going to obviously factor into your risk assessment, but that doesn't mean that the risk doesn't exist. And Or, and probably more importantly, that you should not at least be contemplating it as part of the process. So I hope that's helpful. I think those are, are, again, three basic things to consider when you're talking about third-party risks. So in closing, as always, if you have questions, comments, you have ideas for future podcast topics, this one actually today came from a couple of comments that we had a few months back, please let us know. We're always interested. You can contact us at compliancebeat.com or moreheadconsulting.com. As I mentioned at the top, please join us if you're interested. Risky Business, what is an effective compliance program in 2017? Our next webinar, November 15th at noon central 1 p.m eastern please come to our website sign up and join us we'll be looking for you thanks so the upshot this time is three things to keep in mind about third-party risks include it's not just fcp anymore dealing with third parties is the perfect storm of necessity and the difficulty of monitoring those relationships and lastly even though it is difficult You can manage it. You just have to have a process in place. Thanks for listening to Compliance Beat. Check out our website, compliancebeat.com. This podcast is brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Be sure to check us out at moorheadconsulting.com.